comes the money. You're now listening to the Gambling with Gold podcast with Jason Gold. Presented by Champions Round. What is going on? My name is Jason Gold, and you are listening to Gambling with Gold, episode 76. And once again, I am joined by my buddy from the Action Network, Dan Titus, rocking the wrong hat today. Let's get it started off the top. We're going to talk about some Dynasty rookies later. We're going to talk about some NFL season win totals before the NFL schedule release. But we have two NBA games tonight, including the 76ers going to take the 3-2 lead in Miami against the Miami Heat. Dan is obviously going to be rooting for the 76ers, and I've already staked my claim that I am going to be betting the Miami Heat. I have bet them minus 2.5 and minus 3 tonight. Tell me why I'm wrong, Dan, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> so the, I think the most glaring difference between the first two games in which, and I apologize, y'all, I, I was going hard in Miami and uh, <laughs> ma- making claims of Sixers and Six, I got the bottle, the bottle signs to prove it. Um, but yeah, man, like the difference between the first two games and the last two have really been Joel Embiid and how much he impacts the offense for the Sixers. The Miami defense was doing a great job in the first two games uh, really honing on on, to, on Tobias Harris, letting Tyrese Maxey get his shots off. But Danny Green really wasn't making any shots. Frankly, no one on the Sixers is really making any shots. And that's because they could just get out on those wings. When you have Joel Embiid in the, in, the, in the center position, it's a completely different format and strategy to garden against him. And right now they're actually doing pretty good. But let's not forget, this guy is playing with an orbital, orbital bone fracture in his face, a concussion, and he's got a fractured ligament in his thumb. And he's still out there causing havoc on defense and making making the right passes and getting people in positions to score. The three-point variance for the Sixers right now will probably regress a little bit back down to the mean, but I still feel like they've turned a corner after these last two games. On the road, by the way, uh, or at home, now they're going back to Miami with no Kyle Lowry. I'm not really sure if that would really help the Miami Heat anyway, the way that he's been playing. But I, I don't think that, that – the Miami Heat can really score points. I mean, it's really been Jimmy Butler and who else? They're going to need Duncan Robinson to come off the bench when Spo hasn't made those adjustments yet. But um, I think that they're in trouble more than the Sixers. And just imagine Embiid winds up going for 30, 13 rebounds, like the, the, the Embiid that we know that's MVP caliber. And not going to get into that debate right now, but I think Jokic was well worth winning the award. But I would have given co-MVPs because they were both great. But um, I just haven't seen enough from the Heat side of things to make me think that they are going to win, let alone uh, cover the spread here at three and a half. I think three and a half is too many points, and I think the Sixers are going to keep this competitive back on the road in game five. All right, so I agree with a lot of what you said. Miami definitely seems to be in trouble, and James Harden had a great game in games four. He's probably been at 11 nightclub in Miami since then, and he'll probably be there until tip-off, having a great time. So – Whatever. Harden under 20 and a half points. His shooting percentage is going to be okay. god-awful tonight. I mean, this, this is what Harden does. He's not going to have a great game tonight. That doesn't mean that the 76ers can't win because I expect Embiid sure. to dominate as he's been dominating. I expect Maxi to be good. I expect some other pieces on the 76ers to step up. Here's where I think you're wrong. I think that the last two games in, in, uh, in Philadelphia – the Heat have been so dreadful from three. So I think bad. that they get a, I think that they get a good game out of Hero. I think they could find out of Don Robinson, which we haven't seen in a while. 
I like a lot of his overs, especially the over one and a half threes made tonight. Uh, but here's the biggest thing. Doc Rivers has outcoached Eric Spolstra in two games. Wow. What do you think the like? What do you think the likelihood of that continuing is? The answer is fucking zero, especially in <laughs> Miami. That's the answer. So how much do you think the adjustment is worth from Doc right. reverting to sucking, which we all agree is not a very good coach, in terms of X's nose on the court? Yeah. Off the court with personalities, he's probably very good. Spo, we know Video Junkie is one of the best, best X and O guys in the entire world. He's going to have a great game plan for game five. Whether or not it goes well or not, I don't know. But right. I I would bet a lot on Spo out coaching Doc Rivers in this game, making the adjustments necessary in Miami with game five. He has two days to discuss this with Pat Riley, which always has to be helpful. I'm just saying. And I assume that he takes advice from Pat Riley. Unlike Doc Rivers, who listens to Daryl Moore, he's like, yeah, shut the fuck up, analytics nerd. He doesn't care. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think that Spo is going to swing this game. You got to watch the dang game, as, as Doc likes to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Sharps are definitely on my side of things. There's definitely yep. some sharp money coming in on the uh, on the Sixers here. It opened at three and a half. It got bet down to three now. I'm um, curious to see if this goes back up again. But, um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, I, I would absolutely say that Spo is a better coach, and he's been out coached in the last couple games, which is pretty rare. Um, Doc Rivers did decide to go to more zone which I think has actually helped the Sixers a lot and kind of frustrated the uh, and disrupted the Miami offense. But the adjustments that Spoh's going to have to make is something like a Duncan Robinson. And if his threes are at one and a half, I would definitely like that over. Um, they got to get him more involved in the lineup. Or, you know, someone that's been playing really well that hasn't really been getting too much shine is Victor Oladipo. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets, you know, maybe more minutes. Tyler Hero's questionable for this game. I don't think he's going to miss it. But, you know, maybe we see more Oladipo, more Duncan Robinson, just to kind of generate a little bit more offense that's been kind of sputtering uh, for the Heat in the last couple games. All right, so total in this game, uh, sitting at 209.5 right now. It's 30, I mean, 62% of the money, 57% of the bets is on the over here. I don't really have a particular read on that. Do you? Um. Hmm. Dude, the way these offenses have been so bad, like two two oh nine, two eight and a half, like you could definitely price shop. I feel like the majority would take the under just by the way these offenses have been struggling, which kind of makes me want to go over. But um, yeah, that one's tough, man. I don't know that I can make a play on it just because so the offenses have been so bad um, on varying ends of the spectrum. First two games, Sixers couldn't make a bucket, and now the the, the heater on the other side of that. So. Does it even out in the middle and they both drop like 105, 106, maybe? Um, but I could also see them both struggling. This be like one of those Detroit Pistons, San Antonio Spurs, duke it out for like 90 to 90, 94 type games, you know? So um, I'm going to stay away from the total. I'm looking at some of the props now. Um, you said you liked. Uh, I liked Harden under 20 and a half points. For sure. I think I might be uh, feeling a little Victor Oladipo over 17 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. I mean, he's been getting buckets, and they're going to need a secondary score. And if Tyler Hero is a little bit hurt, um, he could definitely be more of a factor. Um, Sixers side. Like, 
Okay. I kind of like the I kind of like the Jimmy Butler over six and a half assists. Also, I think that he'll be a facilitator. And if I think yeah. that Duncan Robinson and you think Victor Oladipo could have some good games, it's probably going to be Butler feeding him. So kind of like that right. over assists. Yeah, actually, I might flip that instead of going to this PRA Oladipo over twelve and a half points. I think that 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 makes some good sense. Um, and to your Jimmy point, yeah, I mean he's the he's the point guard, um, and I think we'll see him be more aggressive on offense as well. But like. His prop line has been at five and a half for the last couple of games. So Book's got a little bit smarter making six and a half, but I think that's still too low. I mean, he's had upwards of 11, um, I think, in game three. So, yeah, I, I like that target for Jimmy Butler as well. All right, let's move over to Maverick Suns later game. That series all of a sudden is tied 2-2. Also, Chris Paul has had two nightmare games in a row. In Dallas, they're back in Phoenix. They are currently favored by six. The total rising a little bit. It's at 214 and a half, despite the fact that 27% of the bets and 61% of the money is on the under there. It has risen to the over, which is pretty interesting. Uh, 69%, 81%, no, sorry, 81% of the money, 69% of the bets is on Phoenix at minus six. What's your read initially on this game? Um, I'm going to back, I'm going to back the Suns here um, a little bit because. Um, I've heard people compare this Dallas team to the Harden Rockets. Um, yeah. I believe of like 2000 and uh, what year was that? 2013, 14, something like that. Um, so they're a really good three point shooting team, and they're it's just on display right now. And Luca, certainly the backbone of this offense, um, they're shooting an absurd amount of threes. And the one thing that Phoenix was really good at this year was was guarding opposing three pointers and they can't get into a three-point competition because they don't shoot that many. So they really got to get back to square one here and play defense and uh, slow that tempo in the game down. Now, it's going to be hard to stop Luka. So I feel like you got to pick your poison, right? Like, at some point, Monty Williams got to be like, would I rather lose with Luka getting 50? Would I rather win with Luka getting 50 or having all those role players kind of getting involved? And I think we're going to see it more of less of those role players get involved, like Mikael Bridges locking down um, you know, the Reggie Bullocks and the Jalen Brunsons, the Maxi Klebas, like all those people that have been really instrumental in getting those two games back. Um, I think we're going to see them struggle a little bit. And I think we're going to see Chris Paul shine, as you stated in the beginning. You know, he's had two rough games. And after, you got to think, man, I think Chris Paul is probably one of the pettiest guys, competitors in the league. If this little kid is going to be touching his moms or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you. Like, I don't know if that message was to the kid or whether that was to the Mavs. This man's going to be – I was looking at his points, rebounds, assists, 30 and a half. I'm going yeah. over on that shit, man, because Chris Paul is going to be angry, pissed. He's going to will this team back. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot out of Mikel Bridges. Jay Crowder has been really good. Um, so I would actually look at his points as well. He's kind of stepped up. But, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be the Chris Paul game where they get this series back at, on their home court, go back up 3-2. I'm back in the Suns, minus six. Um, I think there's going to be too much emotional. Um, there's too much emotions to fade the Suns in this spot here, even for how well Luke and the Dallas Mavericks have been playing over the last couple of games. The Chris Paul yelling at the kid thing was hilarious. I, I need that video on repeat because it's just the kid's mom is right there. She's petrified. And, the, <laughs> and Chris is yelling at kids like, Chris, you're going to go into a ninth grade classroom and try to beat up like the kid. I, I understand he was a dick to your family and you have every right to yell at him, but he's like, I'm going to see you later. 
He's going to walk into like Woodrow Middle School and he'll be like, yeah, I'm going to come kick your ass. Kiss. Like, it was really funny. Uh, so and, funny, I mean, man. He didn't know at the time how old the kid was. It's just funny to no. watch the video. No. Like, it's literally like a ninth grader who's just yelling at him. But it's even more interesting that, like, I don't know, like, once it came out, like, apparently the kid was, like, trying to give him a hug or something like that. Like, when I first heard it, it was like, yo, they put hands on him. They were pushing yeah, yeah, him, yeah. like, shoving him. Like, for, for it to be that, like, still the disrespect. And I get it. Fans are getting a little too close to comfort to a lot of these entertainers and, and, and um, athletes. So you got to you gotta draw the line somewhere. But to only give the kid a, a, a one-year ban, I was like, it's a little light. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a, a little, little light. light. A little light, but Chris Paul. But uh, hey, if they will motivate the Suns to uh, get the dub here, so yeah, I'm rocking with the Suns. Yeah, I like the Suns too. Minus six. I love the Chris Paul. I bet over sixteen and a half. Moved up to seventeen and a half. I think I'd still bet it. The PRA. I bet at twenty nine and a half. It's thirty and a half. I still think that's nice. a good number. Probably to like thirty two and a half. Agreed. Uh, kind of goes back to what we talked about last week, where I think that this turns into Booker's more the facilitator type of role, and Chris Paul is the scorer tonight. So yeah. We can play that whole system all over again, which is the Booker over six and a half assists and under 28 and a half points. I think it makes a lot of exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah. And Booker did go off that game, but I mean, I think. Yeah. Well, he ended up with 30, but he scored a lot at the end. Like we were, right. we were on the right side. Definitely. And it was only because, you know, Chris Paul played so poorly, like, and he's really been their closer. So I think we'll see. I don't know. I think this is going to be the best game out of Chris Paul in the series here. So um, going to be a good game, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, – what were the numbers on this one in terms of uh, the sharp uh, – where's the money moving? I think it was – most of the money yeah. was on the Suns. Yeah, so 69% of the bets, 81% of the money is on the Suns right now in terms of the spread. Yeah. Uh, money line a lot more towards the Mavericks, but ever. And then the over well, – because it's 2,300. But in terms of the bet percentage – 27% of the bets and 61% of the money is on the under. So Ooh. take that for what you will. Yeah. I think, I think I think they're banking on uh, Dallas actually missing some threes here. So I think that makes sense. All right. So let's go over to some dynasty rookie rankings. I know that you and I have been doing a lot of drafts. I'm in one right now. I'm looking at the board. Kind of wondering through the first two rounds, like kind of what your, your power ranking is. Because I think there's a couple of different – very specific tiers. And I have the question right. of where do I want to trade in and trade out based on that tier? So why don't we run through, do you have your power rankings in front of you? Um, I do. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to run through this draft that I have in front of me right now. Uh, went Brees Hall, Kenny Pickett too. It's super flex or super flex and tight end premium. Uh, I drafted Drake London third. Kenneth Walker, four, Traylon Burks, five, Garrett Wilson, six, Alave, seven, Jamison Williams, eight. Seemed like there was a tier break where Brees Hall is clearly 101. And then I think that London, Walker, Burks, Wilson, Alave, Williams is like that tier two if you're not taking the quarterbacks into account. you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I, I was in like a similar – so I had like the ninth pick and I was like – I had these – I had the back end wide receivers like the Alaves, um, the Jameson Williams like selection. And I was like, hmm, or do I go James Cook? But I think that's a little too early to do that. So yeah, I think the wide receivers really make up a bulk of of the first round 
with the, I mean, depending on if you're in the super flex, obviously maybe Kenny Pickett's interesting if you need that other quarterback, but um, he's still going to have to wait a little bit of time. And first round for me, like you got to get someone that you can at least try to plug in, you know, immediately as like a, a flex position. So after you get past those guys and maybe Kenny Pickett slips in there somewhere, I think that the next tier for me at least is Christian Watson, Sky Moore, James Cook. I know a lot yeah. of people have either Ritter or Willis in there or maybe Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson to me is kind of like this weird tier break where we actually had to make a decision on the board. What's, what's kind of your feeling about him right now in terms of the tier break? I mean, it's interesting because I, I actually think that he could actually end up by the – probably by the middle of this draft season, he could end up be going in the first round because there's a lot of good um, reports coming out of, of Redskins camp that he's going to be a focal point of the offense. Like he's going to get involved. I mean, Carson Wentz is your quarterback after all. So I don't know, take that with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I read into draft hype, you know, especially in the off season. And there isn't a lot of weapons in Washington right now to, uh, get some of that target share from Terry McLaurin. And uh, I think Terry McLaurin was like a very interesting wide receiver last year because he was a guy that was going, you know, as high as second, third round. Maybe if you got value him in the fourth, but most likely not in a PPR. But he kind of tailed off towards the end of the season. So I think he needs someone else that's going to be able to take away some of that, uh, the attention that he draws. And that could ultimately, if Carson Wentz can actually make a downfield throw, um, I think that Dotson could be in a really good spot there. Uh, so our decision with Dawson was a little bit different. His profile is like a classic bust in terms of size, size, speed. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a good situation. It's it's not great. So we were on the clock with the two oh three, and we decided to trade out of the pick. We got uh, two, we got two five and three five, and then we flipped two five for two eight and three eight. So basically, we ended up with. Two eight three five three eight for two three. Um, what is our, um, our, what? What did you wind up when you moved back? Who did you wind up selecting? Yeah, so that's actually where we're at right now. So okay, uh, the next picks were Malik Willis, Emian Pierce, match So we had David Bell uh, for the Browns. Just there are a lot of good reports. A lot of people in the industry are very high on him. I was not as a prospect, but. In terms of the landing spot with Deshaun Watson, with all their wide receivers are kind of out the door except for Amari Cooper. Uh, seemed like any. an yeah, interesting exactly. – yeah, exactly. And seemed like an interesting way to play it, you know, a rookie coming in with Deshaun Watson. We don't know how long Amari Cooper is going to be there, maybe you know a couple years. Bell could end up being his wide receiver one down the road. Uh, we thought it was a nice upside pick, but I don't feel great about it. We were between him and uh, Rashad White, but – I just don't really trust any of the running backs right now, especially here. I'd rather take more dart flows than like bank on one guy. Right. That's fair. That's fair. So I mean So yeah, we have we have three, 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 five, and three seven in round three here coming up. We're at two nine right now. So I feel like we're just gonna throw darts at like the Isaiah Spiller, Tyler Algier, Brian Robinson, Tyrion. Uh, Davis Price, like those type of guys, and just yeah, let's take let's take three swings and see what heads instead of just one on Rashad White. Yeah, in one in one draft, I actually took three straight running backs. I went Kenneth Walker, then I went uh, uh, Tyrion. I went with Price, and then I went with um, uh, who's the running back from the Raiders? Um, Samir White. Samir White. Yeah, 
And I, I like I really like Zamir White, and I think he might climb up a little bit more just because the Josh Jacobs being his his contract got declined. And then you also have um uh Kenyon Drake who's only on a one year deal. So that running back room could really open up in 2023 uh for the Raiders, who are absolutely loaded on offense now. Um so I think he might walk into some carries um unexpectedly. So really like that. What's your top I guess like down to Dotson or Mechie, what's your wide receiver rankings in order? Uh, hold on. Let me pull that up real quick. So right now you said starting at Dotson. No, no, no. Just from the top, just like oh, through like the top? The top, you're, you're like top eight guys. All right. So Drake London, I'd say Garrett Wilson and Drake London tied. Uh, Traylon Burks, then we'll go Alave, Jameson Williams, Christian Watson, Dodson, Sky Moore. And then you kind of get into that next tier of like yeah. George Pickens. Um, I actually really like Jalen Tolbert. I put him higher than John Michi and Alec Pierce, mainly because like I just love that opportunity with Dak. And especially looking at their strength of schedule, which I know we'll get into in another pod, but uh, the Cowboys have a cake matchup this year, and with only CD Lamb really vying for targets along with Dalton Schultz, like I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver, and um, he's going too low. Um, and then I put in, I think Trey McBride is actually kind of interesting, especially with news of D Hop. Um, I mean, I know he's not a wide receiver, but you might as well be. Um, with news of D-Hop being out for six games, it's like Rondale Moore and uh, <laughs> who's who's really left there, man. Like they don't I have a lot Andy, of targets. Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson are still on the team. <laughs> so at that point, I mean, I feel like they could run. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury isn't known for these two tight end sets, but like you could still have Zach Ertz be your traditional tight end, and then you slide Trey McBride out, just be like a Jimmy Graham like. I don't know, more of a route running Travis Kelsey type dude. Um, yeah. cause he could do that and he's the best, he was definitely the best tight end value wise. So I think he's also another guy that's been kind of rising up my board. Um, and then obviously you go into the the Wandale Robinson. Like, I don't know like what they're really trying to do with 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 uh with um uh Kadarius Tony and I don't really know if I can trust in Daniel Jones at this point. So I'm not really that high on him. Um, to be honest, like I, I think they got to work out a whole bunch of kinks before I would buy into that. But I guess the long term aspect of it is kind of appealing. Um, another guy I just want to throw out a name here, Jelani Woods. Yep, just a Colts. physical specimen, man. And like I'm, I'm almost wondering with Matt Ryan, it's not like Matt Ryan's typically had a pretty decent tight end. He's always got a favorite them. Michael Pittman obviously still there, but like outside of those wide receivers, definitely gonna be a, a running team. But like. I'm compelled, man. He's a huge dude. One of these like freak, you know, transfer former basketball player type guys. He could be a red zone target. And I don't know. I, I feel like there's a there's some value there with Frank Reich and the way that he utilizes tight ends, especially in the red zone. Um, he's another guy that I would actually take a little bit earlier. And I've seen him going like fourth, fifth round. Um, I might be able to pull the trigger on that a little bit earlier if I don't have that position. Well, you just named off a couple of my favorites here. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, I'm all over as a sleeper. Is that third wide receiver on the Cowboys? And if Michael Gallup doesn't make it 100% back, we know between, yeah. mm -hmm. between him and Lamb, 
I mean, you're going to get some games where he's going to be the wide receiver too. That's just an absolutely smash opportunity for him. And I, I would have Tolbert above Mechie and we almost took him above price, but, or above uh, Dave Bell, but we yeah. thought that we could probably wait until the next pick and probably try to steal him there. Uh, I like Jelani Woods. Again, it's tough with the first-year tight ends. Like, they don't usually break yes. out. Even Kyle Pitts, who's the breakout of all breakouts, had 1,000 yards and he only scored one touchdown. So right. it's just tough. I know that Matt Ryan does love his tight ends. And we had, uh, what, Jack Doyle retired. So they have Mo Alley Cox and Jelani Woods will probably step in as, like, the number two there. Right. Uh, unless they – I don't know who else they signed. but uh, And they had uh, – they drafted someone last year, too. Um, Grayson? What was his name? Yeah, yeah, Kyler Grayson. Mm-hmm. So, but like, he's a blocking guy. Yeah, like I'm not. I don't. I don't think with the size that they're going, you're going with athleticism at that position at that point. So yeah, I'd be curious to see how the splits end up being between him and Mo Ali Cox. I think the other that I love on the well, there's two. Uh, Greg Dolchich. I don't love the spot because Russ hasn't traditionally used tight ends that much, and they have a lot of yeah. outside receivers, but. Uh, I do think that he'll get a pretty good opportunity to play alongside Albert O. I think if you get him the fifth round, I love it. Anything earlier, probably not. But the guy that I really love, who I think is going to make a big impact in year one, the guy that I love coming into the draft, came into a smash spot in Buffalo, Khalil Shakir, I think could be a top 10, maybe even like a top seven rookie wide receiver by the end of the year. So if I can grab him in the third, definitely someone I have my eye on. I know that the Bills obviously have a great receiver in Stephon Diggs and one that looks like he's going to come on in a big way in Gabe Davis. They have Dawson yeah. Knox, they have a couple other guys. But as the third wide receiver there, I think that Shakir's skill set and the way they they want to utilize him, I mean, if you watch his Boise tape, he definitely goes full Debo a lot of the time. I think that uh, you're going to see some interesting ways to deploy him in that offense in Buffalo. So I would definitely be in on Khalil Shakir in the uh, third round here. What are your thoughts on Boise State players in general? Like, that's the only thing that was, like, holding me back a little bit was, like, who was the last Boise State receiver to, like, pop? And they've all been, like, doing numbers. Um, but I'm thinking, like, Austin Pettis, and I'm like, eh. Like, or Dante Pettis. Not, Dante Pettis. Yeah, Dante Pettis, not great. Who's There was another kid that uh, ended up in jail in, like, a year and a half. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like um, a he was like a second round pick, and he was like automatically just like went from the draft right to jail, and it was just not a great situation <laughs> for him. Yeah, I had a uh, I think it was around the same time I was debating Romeo Dubs and and Shakir, and I went yeah. with Romeo, and I'm like Green Green Bay, he's got a shot. That that's the only reason I was going for it because I'm like, all right, well if it's gonna be Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. And then you got Holder from Amari Rogers from last year. Yeah. There's some opportunity for the people from last year, like the rookies, to kind of step up. And but I think it's that the wide receiver room just could be wide open. And uh to be drafted like number 132, like I feel like there's a shot that he could actually have a chance in camp if he impresses, but he's also kind of old. So um yeah, I I, I didn't really at that point I was kind of like reaching. I was like, I don't know where, where I want to go with this, but they obviously already got Christian Watson, so they addressed the position, but I don't know. There's always there's always a chance that there's that second or third round pick that could actually outperform the first one that you that you went for. So, all right, here's my I'm a because you brought up Green Bay's wide receivers, and I think that people are, are perhaps overlooking the free agent wide receiver market right now and thinking that Green Bay is just going to waltz in with Christian Watson and Alan Lazard as their top two. Right. So here's my 
Here's my prediction. I think Odell and Jarvis Landry end up in Green Bay for the Packers this year. Uh, do they have odds on on uh, unrestricted free agents yet? Like uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. But that would be a fun parlay if they both sign there. I I actually yeah, I I would love that pairing with both. I mean that'd be sick. And like straight up hands team, like that's exactly what Rogers needs. All he needs is reliable hands. He'll make everything else figure. He'll figure out everything else. I think Jarvis, Jarvis and him would be great. Like the route running, the ability to catch the ball anywhere. I mean, I he's a, awesome. he's a better version of Randall Gobb. So like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. That's so intriguing. why don't we do this? We'll close out. We'll close out the podcast. I'm going to Vegas tomorrow. My birthday's on Thursday. So I need some bets to place in Vegas. The schedule release is also on my birthday Thursday. So I will have a lot more information then on season win totals. and. I've been promised by BetMGM that I can place week one bets while I'm there. I fly out Friday morning, so what? I expect to lay down. I can guarantee you one thing. I will be betting against the Cincinnati Bengals in week one. You can book that right the hell now. <laughs> Super Bowl losers are terrible in week one, so I will definitely be doing that. Uh, all right, so season win totals that I like from BetMGM right now. I'll start off with my number one and – I'll go for an over to start. I'm going to go with Baltimore over nine and a half right now. They were absolutely decimated with injuries last year. Usually that tends to regress to the mean, meaning they will, won't have as many next year. I don't love, I don't think the Steelers are going to be that good, although we'll talk about their over in a second for a different reason. Uh, the Browns are not going to have Deshaun Watson for likely half the year, so they're probably going to sink. And the Bengals, we, we know how lucky they were to get to the Super Bowl last year. That's not saying that they couldn't do it again. Joe Burrow is great and they did a lot of good things in the offseason, but I don't think that that division is as strong as it has been. There's a lot of opportunity for the Ravens, especially given their draft and some of the moves in free agency. I think they're going to have a great season. So Baltimore over nine and a half is my first one that I'm gonna, probably going to end up betting in Vegas. Yeah, one, one that I'm looking at that I'm really interested in is the Atlanta Falcons. And I got to probably price shop a little bit more, but I'm trying to get it. If I can, I'm trying to see if I can find it at five and a half, but right now it's at five. That's too rich, man. This team is going to be awful. They don't have a real quarterback. They whoa, have no whoa, run- whoa, 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 whoa. Mariota, come on. That's hey, holdover. Hey, hey is, do I we know that? that if I said on. that shit about Michael Vick, you'd yell at me too. <laughs> He's a backup Don't for worry. a reason, but you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see, but like, he can get him to four wins, but I don't know if he's going to be the quarterback long enough to get him there. But I'm just I'm just concerned about the offense and the defense. Like they don't have a running back. They spent up for uh, a couple of running backs in the draft, Algier one of, being one of them. Um, but the wide receiver room is like must to be desired. You got Drake London out there with Kyle Pitts, with Mariota throwing him to throwing it to him. Um, I just don't see where they're going to muster up that many wins right now, and their strength of schedule. Right now is um, ninth, the ninth hardest schedule in the NFL. So I, yeah, I'm just going to fade the Falcons because they're not going to be good. Tom Brady's still in the division. The Panthers, I think are actually going to be, they're going to be okay, decent enough to compete with. I think the Saints will be better if Michael Thomas is back. They already got Alave, Jameson, James Winston. Um, Alvin Kamara hopefully is, is healthier. Um, that's going to be a tougher division now. So I'm just, I, I don't see where they're going to eke out more than five wins. 
I, I think that's fair. And I think they have no reason to try and compete. Although I did read in Peter King's article this week that Arthur Smith said he'll make no excuses this year and he plans on trying to win every game. So sure. I don't know what the fuck that means. I feel like that's what everyone says in May. It sounds uh, like what you tell your December. Season, it sounds like what you say to season ticket holders that you need to sell some freaking tickets to a bum ass team. <laughs> yeah. Sounds right. Uh, all right. I will move over to my number one under on the board right now. And I think it's a team that's getting I'll, you know what? I'll knock off the two here. Dallas under 10 and a half. I think that division's a lot stronger across the board. I think 10 and a half is way too much. I know that they, their, their schedules a little cakewalky, but you got to think that the giants are going to be better. So maybe they split the season series. We got to think that Washington's probably going to be a little bit improved. And we think that the Eagles are going to be likely much improved and could be the favorites to win the division. Uh, I don't think Dallas' defense can play nearly as well as they did last year. I expect the offense, if they continue to feed the ball with Ezekiel Elliott, to fade a little bit. We saw Dak last year. I mean, I assume he'll probably be a little bit better this year, given the fact that he's another year removed from the ankle injury. But remember, we still have Mike McCarthy there. Like, this is a 9 or 10 win team all season long. Give me the under 10.5. The other team that I, I have on here that I've circled for an under is Detroit. The Detroit is at six and a half right now. They made some Too good rich. moves. I'll give it to them. But remember, this is a team that fought their ass off for Dan Campbell. They played literally as hard as they possibly could last year. And what they end up with, three wins, two wins, something like that, it was not good. Aiden Hutchinson is not going to make that much of a difference. Jamison Williams probably isn't going to play half the season. Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. And remember, this is a... I would say that Brad Holmes is a pretty good GM. Dan Campbell definitely got the most out of his players, but he's not the most analytically driven. And it's not exactly like he has the greatest staff there. Like he has guys that he trusts in the building, which is fine. Aaron Glenn, good defensive coordinator. But offensively, they're still going to be kind of weird. And defensively, I mean, Hutchinson's good, but they still have holes all over the roster. So give me that under six and a half. I think that is way too priced up. I think that they're more likely to win four or five games. They also have no reason to win. I know Dan Campbell wants them to win, but let's think about this. Goff's contract is up. They're in the move for a quarterback. If this gets to the end of the season and there are five, six months, there's no reason to win. So, uh, yeah, give me uh, under six and a half on Detroit. I, I'm with you there, man. I just don't – I don't know. I just don't see where they're not – they're still the worst team in their division. So, if you're yeah. not getting those easy division wins, like – to face those opponent, those other opponents, like it's going to be hard to get those W's. So, like much of my win totals are really targeting the divisions that suck, where you can scoop up some easy wins. And I love your, your play with the Dallas Cowboys because ten and a half is too rich. This team did not get better, and Ezekiel Elliott is getting older. I think we're this is going to be the year of Pollard finally. Like th- this we've is been the asking for it. We have, but this is going to be it. Um, but to that. I think you're exactly right. I'm taking the over on the Eagles eight and a half wins. I think that that's too low. I think their numbers should probably be around nine and a half. And, um, you know, what the, the moves that they made addressing the defense, as well as acquiring A.J. Brown, AJ um, Jalen Hurts has all the utensils he needs to actually execute right now. I think this team is going to be better. They're going to be better than the Cowboys. So right now I'm locking in division winner, NFC East, Eagles, plus 250. And that value is going to continue to shrink over time once they see how explosive this team can be. And now that they can actually play defense along with running the ball. Also have a player prop that kind of goes with that. Miles Ooh. Sanders under seven and a half touchdowns. That's, this dude is just not being utilized in the red zone at all. 
if it's running up and down the field, sure, Miles Sanders, you might be able to get there. But I don't think the coaching staff trusts him to be a workhorse back. I don't know how the hell they set this at seven and a half. Unless he breaks off these 50, 60-yard runs eight times, it ain't happening. So this is a running back by committee. They re-signed Boston Scott. I don't know what the hell the books are doing, but take the under on Miles Sanders under seven and a half touchdowns. I think we just got a May 10th player prop. This thing won't <laughs> cash until January. I fucking love it. Hell yeah. Uh, um, and one, so one more I want to throw out there uh, that I also like is, yeah, I, I don't know why, why are the Bears priced at over six and a half? I'm taking the under. What the hell have the Bears done to get better? Like yeah. what? Uh, Velas Jones, that doubts your over, answer. Over six and a half minus one forty two, heavily juiced to the over. So interesting. I don't interesting. know. I mean, I don't I know. Is De- I don't think actually think Detroit might be better than them. I don't know. I don't know. But that, it that's does, tough. It does make me think if I want to if I want to go under on Chicago, and I want to go under on Detroit. Doesn't that mean that I'm way in on the Vikings this year? Yeah. It has to mean that, right? Yeah. So the Vikings are, I mean, that's already worth a win. Vikings are (laughs) over eight and a half minus 130. All they got to do is go nine and eight. I kind of like the Vikings. Dude, they're going to get easily. Yeah. That's easily at least three, four wins in the division. And they always kind of play the Packers tough. So you never know. Packers may may struggle. That's the team they're going to struggle against. I'm in on the Vikings. Let's we're go. Do it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's All right. Go. So, somehow in on the Vikings. Uh, <laughs> the other two that I'm kind of cir- actually I have three that I'm kind of circling for different reasons, but not super confident in it. New Orleans over seven and a half, mostly based on the like you should get between Atlanta and Carolina. They play Tampa Bay really tough, so let's yeah. say that they split. So you're already at five and one in the division. Uh, I think Jameis can be productive. I don't know what Dennis Allen's going to bring that's going to be different than Sean Payton, other than he's not Sean Payton. You know, a little concerned about the offense in terms of the X's and O's regressing without Payton there. However, you get Michael Thomas back, you get Chris Olave, you have Alvin Kamara, you have a little bit more room for error. Their offensive line, a little bit of an issue. Obviously, Teron Armstead not there, but their defense, still really good. I think that seven and a half is way too low for them. They should be an eight, nine, ten win team all day. Pittsburgh over seven and a half. This is basically based on you're hating on Tomlin. No, it's their no over over seven and a half. No, I'm saying the books are hating on Tomlin. Oh like, yeah, they yeah, even okay. set it at, at as low as seven and a half when this guy's never had a losing season. Like maybe that's the Ben Roethlisberger effect, but like I think they did a good job at least piecing. Like you got Mitchell Trubisky who can win some games. He's won them before, and then you got you got your quarterback and Kenny Pickett who's well versed in the system. Grew up in Pittsburgh, like I don't know the stories, the weapons, it's all still there. Yeah. And let's say Defense. they don't have to they don't have to leave the Eastern time zone the entire season. That is insane. Their bodies are gonna feel comparatively awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. this de- this defense should continue to once again be one of the best in the entire NFL. They yep. don't have to travel, they stay in the Eastern time zone. Like that defense is gonna be elite, elite, elite. And you don't think that they're gonna win seven and a half games? I don't know. I would bet on the over there. The other okay. one, last one I had on the board was the Jets over five and a half, and I couldn't tell if I was getting swept up by all their great draft or not. But right. I do I do think that is a team that is primed to be a much better team than last year, which isn't saying much, I know. But I think that Zach Wilson takes a step forward. 
think the offense is much better. I think the defense has some pieces. I think they can win six games. I don't feel great about it, but I do think that I'm I'm leaning towards an over on the Jets. I'm I'm gonna say a prayer for that one, dude, because <laughs> that that's that's tough. Like I just can't get there after what Miami did to acquire, you know, Chase Edmonds and, and Tyreek Hill. All faith going into a I don't know. I think they they're I think they're up. a better team on paper. I'm not a Tua fan, but I just think they're a better team on paper. And then you like the Patriots, like they're still really good. And then you got the Bills. Like, where does Zach Wilson, the Jets, despite their great draft, like fit into that equation? That's tough, man. That's tough. Here's I can see the Jets winning here, four, like three games. Here's where I think the Jets get the win. The Patriots. I think I want to go under on the Patriots too at eight and a half. I do not all like right. what they've done in this offseason at all. I look trust in Bill forever, but the dude might be turning a little senile here. I, I straight strange wasn't the right move. <laughs> no, it was strange. It's like I know the JC Jackson was expensive, but some of their their moves on defense just it, nothing matched up. And I don't, you know, he's lost so many of these guys, these front office guys and all these assistants. It's the true. only ones that have ever cut the only ones that have come back are the ones that fucking suck. So yeah. now he's got he's just got worse people in the building. <laughs> and I think at some point it catches up. And look, I, I like Mac Jones, but the guy still doesn't have that many weapons. The offensive line is probably gonna be a little bit worse. Yeah. The running back is fully by committee. It seems like Ramondre might be in the running with Damian Harris. Right. You still don't have a number one wide receiver. You've done nothing to address that. And the division's gotten better around you. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, it's tough to go against New England, but I think that's kind of where I am right now on May 10th. I mean, their formula for football is like so ancient right now. Like let's just yeah. run the ball 55 times and see how it works out. Like maybe they just stack the box and it doesn't work next year or more, more teams figure it out. But I don't know, man, there's something about something about bill that inspired them yep. last year that they totally overachieved. So you're maybe you're right here. Let, let's let's get spicy. It's only May, but uh, eight and a half. I, I feel that. Okay, the the rise of the Jets and the fall of the Patriots. I love it. What fucking world are we living in? All right, we'll end the podcast on that. Dan, uh, be back next week. We'll talk about all the NFL schedule release stuff, some more dynasty stuff, some more things to bet on as we approach the NFL season. We're less than four months away. I can't fucking wait. Let's uh, get it. Until next time. Good luck with the NBA bets tonight. Uh, go heat. Fuck the Sixers tonight. Try to make some money. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you later.